Well, hey, everybody. It's good to be with you again. Hope you're doing well. Um, today, you've got myself, uh, Heath Haynes, and Will Jones with uh, with you. I am one of the elders here at the bridge. I'm also part of one of the Heights House Churches. Will Jones is one of our covenant partners, as well as uh, well, just part of the part of the leadership of the Southside House Church. So we're excited. Uh, to have Will. And really, when you have Will, you've got Will and Cammy. Um, he's represented really both of them well. Well, Cammy's been a part of putting this together. Um, you know, and if you know Will and Cammy, you love them. If you know Will and Cammy, you, you've been loved by them. And I will also say this, if you know Will and Cammy, you've probably been inspired and challenged by them. They just live such a great way of life and ministry and um, just love these guys so much. So we're excited to have have you with us today, Will. Thanks for jumping in. Awesome. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. All right, next, <laughs> next week, we'll do it again. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've been in this series, uh, What is the Church? And, um, you know, we've just been really leaning into, to, you know, what, what the Lord has called us to be. And, you know, just thinking about kind of why we've been pursuing this. One of the things that we've said a few times throughout this series is that we're really grateful that the, the people of the bridge have always been a people, a church, desiring and aspiring for all that we are and all that we do to flow out of our faith in Jesus, out of our relationship uh, with our Heavenly Father God, and not just being an activity, not just being an organizational thing. There's just been this great desire for for, for vulnerable sincerity and, and kind of holistic um, a kind of holistic way of life and ministry. And so it's it's been uh, just kind of an invigorating uh, pursuit. And that's why we're just going to continue going. And the driving question that we've had kind of anchoring us is that this, this idea that what, it, what would happen if all that we had to tell us what the church should be was, was scripture and the Holy Spirit? We didn't have any other kind of experience, any other kind of exposure. We just had scripture and the Holy Spirit. What would the bridge look like? And that's really what we're leaning into. And we're just trying to be humbly open-handed and saying, Lord, show us and lead us and let us trust what you have given and what you say is good. And let us commit our lives to that again, just as we've always been pursuing. So we've been looking to this and we're looking to Jesus and his word to really, um, to really guide us. And we started with the person of Jesus, how he defines the church and, and built and, and establishes the church. Then we looked at the purpose of Jesus and his mission and how we are re released uh, to that mission. And now uh, this week we're coming into the, um, the people of Jesus. If you haven't heard those first two weeks, I really want to ask you to go back and listen to those. Um, they're on our website or on the podcast. Um, but, but, but please, for the sake of our unity, for the sake of us being a part of what God's leading us and shaping us to be, go back and listen to those. But as we come into this week, uh, this is our last foundation stone. And it's kind of the, this is true of every church, just the, the people of Jesus, how God, um, how God's design for how his people of Jesus are called together to build each other up for kingdom work, to build each other up for experiencing the life in the gospel and the life for the gospel. And, and so because of this driving question of if all we have is scripture and the Holy Spirit, we want to let scripture uh, really speak for itself as much as possible. We're going to read a lot of scripture. And so, of course, we're doing that because of this anchor question, but also specifically as we start getting into the, the way of life and how we take shape and what we look like, we want to make sure that what we're doing is not out of some pursuit of preference or comfort or culture, but again, just wholeheartedly knowing that we're walking in what God has given and is good. So that's what we're pursuing. So before we go any further, I'm going to pray for us. Um, 
Lord, we love you, God. We just want to give you this time. Lord, we trust you. We surrender all to you, God. I pray, Lord, that we would um, uh, just have open hearts, open minds, open lives, that we would be tender to your leading or pliable. And Lord, that we would, we would believe what you claim in your word to be true. And Lord, uh, that we would, we would uh, ingest it into our minds, Lord, and have it take over in our hearts and Lord, flourish in our lives, God. So Lord, work in power. Lord, bring unity for your church, Lord, that you would be glorified and that the world would know that you are good and that you sent Jesus to redeem. So Lord, we surrender all to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... Um... We've got, so I've got a question uh, for you, Heath. I can't think of a better person to answer this question because it has to do with church leadership. Um, so the question is, what does leadership and responsibility look like in the church as shown in scripture? Hmm. That's good, Will. And uh, I, I love this question as we've been talking and thinking through it. And, you know, I appreciate you saying that. That's kind. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm the least <laughs> qualified person to speak in church leadership, just knowing uh, the things, you know, anyway, that's, that's reality. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so, so, so just to think about this, what, what, what does leadership responsibility look like in the church is shown in scripture. You know, we, we want to show what it means to lead in the church. And we also want to think about who is meant to lead in the church. And really just real quickly thinking about leadership, what is leadership? It is, it is taking responsibility and then and then for that which you are responsible for, caring for it and, and taking care of it to the point of that it achieves its purpose. And so when we think about the church, again, let's go back to the last couple weeks of foundation. That's what we that's what we care about the leadership of the church to be. And so just as we've been doing, we want to look to Jesus to really understand these things. And so just kind of our, 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 our kind of catapulting verse is John 10, 11. And it's this very claim of Jesus about himself. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so when we think about the leadership of the church, what we want to think about is the way that Jesus led and he led as a good shepherd. And he just immediately, he just, he kind of says it all. Like we, we could just leave it at this next statement of Jesus and just say, okay, that's it. We got it. That the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so just kind of has this great umbrella of like the leadership of the church is always meant to be one of sacrificial, others focused, loving leadership. So Jesus sets that form. Now, we're going to go a little bit deeper into it, um, but we see that a shepherd is a sacrificial, benevolent leader who nourishes, protects, and rescues, right? There's this, this, this pursuing, persistent, loving care. But before we go into the, the kind of leadership more, we want to think about who is a shepherding leader, who is tasked with this leadership in the church. And so just to kind of get us into this, while there will always be some that carry a greater shepherding leadership in the church, all should be growing to take on more and more shepherding leadership and care over time and as they grow. It should be consistent and expected. So yes, there will always be some who carry greater leadership, but all should be expected to be taking on more leadership uh, on a, you know, as we regularly grow. So we think about this, you know, one of the common 
the most common metaphors used to describe the church is that of a family. And we're, and we're going to use this metaphor to help us kind of understand this shepherding leadership. Because if you think about leadership of a family um, as a father and a mother or a brother, like it is, it is that same posture of how we are meant to love and lead one another. And we really see this, this family is not just some metaphor pulled out of the, out of the ether. Jesus set that form. And, and we see this in Mark 3, 34 and 35. It's, Jesus said, well, it says, in looking about at those who sat around him, he, Jesus said, here are my mothers and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. And so it's not this quid pro quo or this achievement. Yeah, it's not this achievement. It is that you have been made this. Because what we know from Scripture is to love God is to know Him. And our obedience comes out of love. If you love me, obey my commandments. And that is not, and Will is going to get into this wonderfully in a minute, that is not (laughs) natural to us. And so we know that if this is the case, this is because of a work that God has done in Christ. And so we are made a family. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are, we are under the caring love and leadership of the Heavenly Father. I mean, you know, a little, <laughs> we need little like graphics on the screen of like just brains exploding today. It's going to be a lot of that. <laughs> and, and so to think about like who is, who is responsible for this shepherding leadership in the church, we want to think of the church as a multi-generational family. You know, we're, we're speaking spiritually really, right? Because, you know, anyone can come in at any time and of different yeah. ages and have different needs. So we're speaking spiritually of this multi-generational mm-hmm. family, grandparents, parents, children of different ages, right? Um, and so when we think about a multi-generational family, there, there are those that have more responsibility than others. Naturally, those that are older, more mature, more life experience have more responsibility. And they, and they should accept that responsibility. And so we see that we can't get mad in a family when children act like children. Amber has had to repeatedly in our life of loving and raising our kids to tell me, hey, Heath, guess what? They're kids. They're going to be kids. And you have to give them room to be kids. And you've got to come <laughs> alongside them as a kid and not, not fault them for being un- ignorant. Because that's, I mean, kids just don't know. They haven't experienced it yet. And then to yeah. invite them into understanding. And so we can't get mad in the church, spiritually speaking, when, when those who are newer to the faith or newer, you know, newer in their, their growing understanding show their need for that. We should expect that. But at the same time, there should be an expectation of growth and maturity. It is not reflective of the fruit of the Spirit or the work of the Spirit or, or the work of God's Word that people would be stagnant. Um, and so just like in our home, as our kids are getting older, they are getting age-appropriate tasks now given to them. They have to help set the table. They, they, they help empty the dishwasher. They make their beds. They clean their rooms. They empty trash. They're getting old enough for that. And while they're still children, the, if, if they neglect these little tasks they've been given, there's actually a consequence. And so we start to see, thinking about the, the church as a multi-generational family, spiritually speaking, um, we, we see that there has to be room for people to be growing and taking on responsibility, but there should be an expectation for that to happen over, over time. And so, so we see in this, right, that we see this understanding that, um, again, that there is a, a process for growth and for those that are more uh, mature and capable to have more responsibility, but it doesn't mean that they are, that those who are mature and responsible to never have a uh, need. And so 
you know, you can be a kind of a spiritual parent and, and have responsibilities, but still be in need. And, and so what do we do? And so just to unpack this real quickly, um, I want to illustrate it, I guess, because because we face needs all the time. We're human. We're not God, right? Like we have limited capacity. Right. That is definite. So <laughs> definite, right? I think every one of us sitting in this moment right now can think of, of quite a few things pulling against us and limiting our yeah. capacity. And so, you know, things like transitions in life, just crises like we're living in and tragedies, um, just maybe new babies, declining health, um, or maybe just need for rest. Rest is good. And all of these things, like if you are responsible, how do you go about um, being cared for and getting rest? And I think, you know, to illustrate it, you know, Will, you're, you're a dad of a 10 month old. Mm-hmm. And he, yep. he's, he is dependent on you guys. He, there's Completely. nothing he can do for himself. So let's say Cammy's out of town and, and you've got your son and you're taking care of him and you get sick. You know, there's, mm-hmm. you've got a few options, right? Like he can't do anything. So you can say, you know what? I don't feel good. So he can fend for himself and hopefully Cammy gets back before it goes real south. And it's a good parent, a good parent doesn't do that. You wouldn't yeah. do that. So then your options are, okay, I don't feel good, but he's dependent on me. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to muscle through and I'm going to count the cost. Guess what? He's worth it. I'll take care of him. I'll trust the Lord and his strength. I'll get rest in time or I'll just find God's grace sufficient. That's one or two. Maybe that is impossible. Maybe you have two broken legs and two broken arms. (laughs) You know <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I don't. It was a, it was a, a weird game of racquetball. I don't know. Yeah, it just, Who knows? just went south. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but so then, what do you do? And then guess what? You are not in this alone. And that's where again that we see the beauty of the church, and that you get to lean on others around you. You get to call in for help. And guess mm-hmm. what? I don't want to. We, we can't go into all that, but there's a lot of beauty in that. And so we see that you never stopped being responsible but you ended up having to find other ways to care for your responsibilities. And so we think about who was responsible for shepherding leadership of the church. It's all of us to varying degrees as the Lord grows us and shapes us. And as we walk in obedience and grow in our spiritual stature and wisdom. And so to think about this, just to wrap this up, you know, for those who, who are carrying the shepherding leadership to greater degree as spiritual parents, um, we have to give space. We have to expect others to grow. And so we have to call them to, we have to speak life into others and give room for others to grow in their gifting and understanding and let them have responsibility, not just let them expect them to have it. Cause if we don't, we'll hurt them. Mm-hmm. We will, we will, you know, you know, there'll be failure to launch arrested development, you know, all of those <laughs> things, just stunted growth And the church will suffer for it. And therefore again, God's desire for this world will will have it, you know, again, he's sovereign, but yet he intends to work through the church. And then the inverse is true too. If the younger generations, those who are coming up in their faith, never grow up and share responsibility by taking it on and stepping in, they'll hurt the older generations by causing undue burden. It's not how it's meant to be. And so, Again, we see this beautiful picture of a multi-generational family of understanding how God shapes the church. And so just real quickly, what that, shepherd, what that shepherding leadership looks like, I want to unpack a few verses, a few passages to show us what a shepherding leadership looks like. We're going to first look at Ezekiel 34, 1 through 4. And this is a moment in Israel when the, the, the shepherding leaders of Israel were neglecting their post. They were neglecting the people of Israel. It wasn't just that, that they weren't caring for them. They were actually working to their own interest at the expense of those they were given to care for. So it was especially grieving 
this. And they're being rebuked here. And so it says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So we can assume that if this is what they are being rebuked for, that the, that the opposite of this is what we should be pursuing as shepherding leaders of the church. And so as we see this, this heart of just taking care of needs for others, right? The good shepherds lays down his life for his sheep. They strengthen the weak. They heal the sick. They treat the injured. They chase the strays. They seek the lost. And they do so without force or harshness, but with patience and long-suffering love. And so the key is the way of life and leadership really only comes from a motivation of love, right? The love of Jesus that we have experienced. And we see this uh, in one of the most prominent New Testament shepherds outside of Jesus, and that's Paul. And he exhibits this heart of love through a couple of passages, a lot of them, but a couple we're going to look at today. First uh, Thessalonians <laughs> 2.8, which if you've known me for a amount of time, you've probably heard this passage come out of my mouth. But it says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you have become very dear to us. We see that shepherds are not dispassionate, removed leaders. They're not, you know, especially in our context, we think of leaders as just teachers. And as those who sit up front and give you the precepts yeah. and the imperatives, and that that's what the purpose is, and that's what success is, that's what your role is, is to mm -hmm. ingest and, and nod your head and get in the get in the game somehow. <laughs> like I'm doing you know, but, right now. Exactly. But but we see that Paul said, "Hey, I didn't just come to share this truth with you, which is important." But he said, "I came to share my life with you. I came to actually get into life, get messy." And I appreciate. I've heard it said that a good shepherd smells like their sheep, right? <laughs> and so so that's like our you know. And again, like. It's easier to, to be removed. It's not as messy because we are messy people. We're sinful and we need grace. And it, it's hard to give grace when, when you're human. But that's the beautiful opportunity <laughs> here. And then also Paul shows this heart of love in 2 Corinthians 12, 14 through 15. He says, here for the third time, I am ready to come to you and I will not be a burden for I seek not what is yours, but you. I love that. Like I seek you. Not just, not just, you know, not just what you can bring to the table, not just what you can help me accomplish, but I seek yeah. you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. Thinking about what we were just talking about with the multi-generational family. Mm -hmm. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. A good shepherd lays down his life. If I, if I love you more, am I to be loved less? And man, I just love this because Paul is understanding that the source of this love is not of this world, but it is of God. Because we often think like there is a finite kind of love tank. Yeah. And that we think in the economy of the world and that there is, you know, that if, if we are to, if we love somehow we're going to, we're going to give someone, you know, license to just receive and take. And what mm -hmm. Paul's first confessing is that his, his sufficiency is found in Christ alone. And because he has been satisfied by the love of God through Jesus, nothing else can ever 
to take that away. And re regardless, if he's pouring out for the rest of his days on an earthly sense and receives nothing from anyone, Jesus has satisfied him. But also in this idea, so so that's beautiful. We should hold on to that. But yeah, also in this what idea, a model. Is, I know, what a model. Like, <laughs> that's, and that's everything. And so we don't have to self-mitigate like how we receive love because guess what? We have Jesus and he has reconciled us to the father and man, there is a beauty in that. And so, so we see that we are all called to be growing in this kind of responsibility and leadership. And we should, um, we should give credence to those who are walking in that role and, and, and enjoy their shepherding care and leadership and invite them to speak into our lives as well as, um, taking that responsibility to speak into others and give them space to grow and uh, helping them along the way, serving as shepherds and guides. And so we see in the church, there are some leadership roles uh, that, that are given to the church in the scripture. We don't have time to work through it all. So I'm just going to just present them without all the text. Um, but, but, but what <laughs> right. we see, no, no, sorry. But, but what we see, <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> Thank you. But what we see is, is that God gives overseeing elders. Um, here at the bridge, we have four of us, uh, myself, Kurt Kiefer, Matt Stevens, and Travis Hall. Um, these overseeing elders, their primary role is to teach and equip. And the focus of their leadership uh, is mainly focused on the community at large um, and, the, and, the, and the leaders. And their main role is to guard the flock and guard doctrine. And so it's really about a healthy appetite of the word and anchoring of the word. And then we see deacons. Um, they're, they're similarly qualified as elders, but their primary role is to make sure the, the people of the church are cared for, um, that no one is neglected. Um, they're not the only ones caring and nurturing. Um, they're just the safety net, really. Um, and they're focused on the more personal needs, and they are dispersed throughout the community. And then we see the, 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 the bucket for everybody is the priesthood of believers. And, and Will's going to unpack that in a little bit, but that's everyone else. And we're all part of that priesthood. Um, and so we think about this, everyone in the church is, is called to this. Everyone in the church therefore needs to be equipped for this work of ministry and not just the leaders. Um, so Will, let me ask you this. How does God equip the church? Yeah. I mean, what a, what a profound question, right? And I, you know, I was sort of reading it over, figuring out how I wanted to communicate how God equips the church. And I realized the question has this assumption in it that God actually does mm. equip the church. Mm, and yes. I just want, I just think it's really important to state out front. He does. God does equip the church. The God that we call Lord is not somebody who came to earth and died on a cross and then went back to heaven and said, okay, now just live out the rest of your life on your own power. Everything that I've commanded you on your own power, go share the gospel under your own power. Mm. Right. That's not mm. who Jesus is. That's not who God the father is. Mm. Right. So God does equip the church and he does it mm. through the Holy spirit, right. Mm. Through the power of the Holy spirit. We hear um, Jesus talked about the Holy spirit coming to equip his disciples at the end of Luke. And this is right before he's about to ascend to heaven. So he's, he's died on a cross for our sins and he has um, risen from the dead and he's walking and he's talking to his disciples. And he says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. That's the gospel, right? Amen. Yeah. That's what they've just seen. That's what Jesus has just done. He's seeing it for us plainly. 
you are witnesses to these things. So Peter, you're a witness. You saw this happen. John, you're a witness. You saw this happen. Thomas, you saw this happen, right? We've seen this happen in our own lives. This is what our personal testimonies are about. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Right? Jesus says, hey, there's a problem. My God is giving, he's sending a promise. Power from on high is coming. That's Luke 24, 46 through 49. So, well, I just then, pray that we believe this is true. Like, yeah. God works. this isn't just for them. This is for us. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> in Acts, uh, in Acts, right? Also, also written by Luke right after, uh, kind of like a continuation of the scene almost. Jesus is about to ascend and they're asking him, Jesus, disciples are asking him, Jesus, what do we do? Right? I think they say specifically, um, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Right? Because they're still thinking in worldly terms that Jesus is coming to restore the kingdom of Israel to throw off Rome. And he says, no. <laughs> he says, uh, wait here, right? In Acts 1.8, he promises the Holy Spirit again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Sumeria and to the end of the earth. Mm. That's Acts 1.8. Right. So Acts is the rest of Acts is this narrative history of the early church. And it begins with Jesus promising the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And then it follows soon after in Acts 2 with a narrative of the Holy Spirit's arrival at Pentecost. Right. It's a Jewish festival. And then there's no accident that the summary that we often use to talk about what the church looks like, Acts 2, 42 through, through 47, occurs in Acts right after this narrative of the Holy Spirit coming. Mm. Right? So we are, God equips the church through the power of the Holy Spirit that he indwells in us when we play each one of us, when we play our faith in Jesus, right? We get the Holy Spirit. Um, we receive the power of God. Mm. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> um yeah, there's no way I think about this. So Jesus was called Emmanuel, Matthew one twenty three, right? Which means God with us. We talk about this at Christmas a lot. Talk about Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit is God in us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Romans 8.11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Oh, man. So the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside me. Oh, amen. What? Okay. If I live out my life, like this is true. Like this is a true thing about who I am. And this is a true thing about God. What is, if every day I wake up knowing that this is true, what am I going to do every day? The amen. same, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that has control over that is inside me right? What, mm. what, what's going to happen in my life? I, guys, I am going through like a personal revival where I'm just becoming so sensitive Amen. to this truth. And I'm, start, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the work of the Holy Spirit in me, in Cami, in the church. I'm seeing it happen around me. And it is like watching God move in the world. It is like watching miracles happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, all right, <laughs> when we experience 
when you experience a Jesus moment, right? So when we act like Jesus acted, when we share our faith, when we see someone surrender their life to Christ, when we surrender our self-interest to those of others, when we're charitable, when we're sacrificial, when we're loving, when we're humble, when we're meek, when we're zealous for truth, right? We're witnessing the Holy Spirit exercise power in our lives. And we, when we see someone else doing this, we're witnessing the Holy Spirit exercise power in that Christian's life. The fruits of the Holy Spirit are miracles of God that we get to experience in our lives. And the more will you, we allow- Well, will you, just, will you just say that again? Like, just to make sure that like, we're back into this world after Charlie's help for a minute. Just say Sorry, what you just yeah. said again. Okay, the fruits the of fruit. the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit are miracles of God that we get to experience. Why do I think that? Right, because my natural self, right, is- greedy is selfish is impatient is mm. concerned with just me is prideful is impure that's who i am because i'm a son of adam that's my natural self without christ mm -hmm. that's who i am outside christ that's who i am mm -hmm. in christ right when i receive the power of the holy spirit in me i'm mm. selfless i'm charitable right I start to exercise these fruits, which means that something unnatural is happening. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Something, something supernatural is happening in the world that I'm living in. Miracles are happening. Mm. I, my life right now is, is just miracles happening through the power of the Holy Spirit. The, ho the house that I'm sitting in right now is not my own. It's the Kiefer's house. Mm. Because they're charitable people. And the Holy Spirit... <laughs> right? The power of the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit working through them, right? Has yes. provided this place for my family to live. Damn. The the money that we have in our family for that puts food on our table is because the body of Christ, people, members of our church, other churches, whole other congregations are supporting Cammie's ministry because mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit has convicted them of charity and is moving through them and has sanctified them. This is my, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm with, there are miracles all around me. A few days ago, when we moved to this house on Saturday, we, we went to grab a burger at Burger Joint and I had to pull a homeless guy who was in a wheelchair out of Shepherd. He was just in the road and I had to go run and pull him. Five years ago, I, just, I probably would have just watched and let him fend for himself. Praise the Lord. Right? So okay. good. So, now all that is to say. <laughs> The miraculous picture that we see in Acts 2, 42 through 47 is not possible without the Holy Spirit, without Amen. the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Okay, so there are some very specific ways that the Holy Spirit makes the church into what we see in Acts and makes the church more into the body of Christ. Um, and just these, real quickly, maybe it'd be helpful, helpful for us to summarize Acts 2, 42 through 47. I know we've referenced it the last couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, read, read it. it. Yeah, you're time. right, because I don't have it written. Could, do you have I'll just, it? I'll just give the overview. I mean, it's, it's, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And what we see is that as it continues through the rest of those verses, is that they, they didn't neglect coming together. They gathered together in homes and in the temple, and they saw, it says, and all came upon every soul, and they saw people added to their numbers daily through coming to faith in Christ. And so just seeing like, that's, that's the miracles that Will's talking about, like right. devoting yourself 
to something other than yourself is first off just a miracle. And then seeing a love and all of God as a work of the spirit, seeing God work through us to a, a world responding to Jesus is a, again, a works of God's power through the Holy Spirit. So. Right. And if that's what we want our local congregation to look like, we've got to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit in us specifically, and also in all of us in our congregation. And one of the ways that we do that is by equipping one another and equipping the church through the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has indwelled Amen. in us. So we see these listed out in 1 Corinthians 12, um, Romans 12. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, we see that the Holy Spirit empowers each one of us individually to build up and equip one another. We see that spiritual gifts are manifest manifestations of the same spirit. Mm-hmm. You see that no spiritual gift is more important than another, right? I mean, that, that wouldn't make sense. I believe I know what is going on here. I think it's termite, guys. Guys, come look. So I don't know what to do. We can pause for a minute. Okay, can we pause? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, hey, cool. Glad you got that. <laughs> We're back. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. So we see that um, that there's no spiritual gift is more important than another, right? Because it's the same spirit. Uh, that gives them. So it's Ephesians 4 4. And he gives them for the same purposes, which is for the common good. Mm. Right? First Corinthians 12 7. That's right. Um, so when we as a local congregation think about how we want to be the church today, we need to think we need to think about how we can make sure that we unleash the power of the Holy Spirit by mm. constantly exercising the gifts he has given us. That's right. Right. Um so, I mean, one way that one way to think about this is not the only way to think about it is do we allow one person to teach uh, with the gift of teaching to teach every Sunday to a large gathering? Or do we allow seven people with the gift of teaching to teach to seven smaller gatherings? Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's also some leaders. There's specific leadership giftings of the spirit that I think uh, Keith is probably once again, Keith is best qualified <laughs> to yeah, talk about. <laughs> and that's a great, the, the statement you just made of showing kind of the, the ways we want more people to use their giftings is a great kind of lead into Ephesians 4, which is where we talk about, see, see the leadership giftings of the Spirit. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So once again, we just see the purpose of these giftings. One is to build up the church for the purpose of Jesus. And that is both internally and externally as we've been talking about the past few weeks. So we see uh, these, uh, these, these, these five leadership giftings, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherds, and teachers. And just to real, try to real quickly unpack that, when we see kind of Jesus embodied all these, he, he had all of these giftings. And we mm-hmm. see that the apostle is kind of the called out one. It's the one who is out front engaging the world and culture and calling the church to that place. It's the messenger gospel. And then we see the prophet. It's the divining rod of truth. The prophet is the one who keeps the church on the center line anchored in truth, not being not being led astray to one way or the by by the messages of the world. And they are the ones who hold the truth. The evangelist is the one who welcomes into the court of Jesus. They are the they are the they are the people that, that are engaging people and getting connecting. They're the connective tissue between the, the, the Christ following and the, and the unbelieving. Then the shepherd is the one who is inside the church creating communities and spaces of care and compassion. And then the teacher is the one who, who takes and distills and disseminates the teaching that God has given to us so that it is understandable and actionable. Jesus did all those. 
But guess what? None of us are Jesus. We need each other to more completely embody the love, beauty, compassion, strength, opportunity, uh, and, and proximity of God in Christ, right? All these things. And so to even kind of take that back a little bit more, like how do we want to see more people expressing their gifts? That's why we try to create participatory environments and not just passive where just one person is doing something because you being wired that way, me being wired this way, coming to God's word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, through our uniqueness, God works to better uh, and more roundedly kind of, edge, you know, kind of equip us through each other's differences. So there's a beauty in that. So again, like God is omnipresent. We are not. We need all of us to bring the loving light of Jesus to the spiritually darkest places of the world and to one another. And so it's through each of us engaging the world around us by the power of the Holy Spirit, both in the natural spaces where we just are, as well as those that are those spaces that are kind of calling us out of what is comfortable. Um, that, that this is where we would see the gospel of Jesus impact and transform each other and our communities in the world around us by the love and truth of Jesus. Um, so we have to see that we will not be fully equipped for the kingdom work of God without each other because we need all of us, because none of us have all of them. So that's mm -hmm. just important. So, and I think that leads into your last thought, Will, with the preaching yeah. yeah, so so yeah, the Holy Spirit empowers each one of us with specific gifts, right? This is to build up, to build up one another, right? This is what Heath is talking about. Um, spiritual gifts, they transform the church into the likeness of God. But God also makes all of us priests through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Right. This is what this is what Peter says. Oh, what's that? This is what this is what Peter says in First Peter two nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Hmm. I mean, you you could do a whole sermon just on that bit of scripture. I think Keith probably has. We have could, back in two thousand fifteen. <laughs> yes, a lot. Yes, I remember this a long time ago. I was yeah. there um, because there is just so much. I mean, it's just like it's playing off of a lot of Old Testament language, a lot of Old Testament scripture, right? One of the things, though, that I want to highlight is the idea of us being priests and what that what that means. Old Testament priests, right? They're exalted men in Israel. They're chosen by God through Aaron. That's Moses' brother. Um, they're the only people allowed to enter the inner sanctum of the temple where God dwells, right? They have to, they're the only people who can carry the Ark of the Covenant. So these are, they're, they're people who are, they're special, I mean, they're not special in the sense that they're special from like everyone else in the people of Israel, but they are chosen by God for this particular role. Hmm. And, and through Jesus' death and resurrection and then the, the, subsequent empowering of the Holy Spirit, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we become like a priesthood, right? So we're all empowered to come near to God, right? So through prayer, right? I can, I can pray directly to God mm. by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm. We can read and interpret scripture. Mm. So I'm just some, I'm just Will who has the Holy Spirit and I can read scripture. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Amen. <laughs> um, we can minister to others so i can exhort and admonish heath <laughs> please do right Heath can do the same to me so we can minister to others inside the church and we can minister to those outside the church right through service but specifically through evangelism right through proclaiming the gospel
Yeah. Um, I love yeah. just thinking about the priesthood of believers that you know, kind of, the, and this is a statement that kind of flows through the rest of the series as well, that, that we are stewards of God's presence to one another. Um, it's not that God is not present without us, but again, thinking about all this, all that's been said, that we are part of, of ushering each other into the presence of God as God mm. has designed. Again, I don't want to overstate no, yeah. our role, but that's what God desires. That's what he's designed. And that is, I think we should revel in that and be stretched by that. We are stewards yeah. of God's presence for each other into the world. Yeah. I mean, what, what an amazing picture of the church. Yes. Right? What an amazing picture of the church. So That's what I want to be a part of. That's yeah, that's what I want to be a part of. And that's that's who we are. Yeah. And um so I don't know where to go for so How about just a, wrap us up. Yeah, cool. So as a as a quick summary, um right, God equips us to be the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us spiritual gifts. He uh we are a priesthood of believers. Mm. Um and we can minister to others we can teach one another we can read scripture so if we're if we're you know if we're if we're feeling you know i just can't do that i just can't i don't know i I just can't share my faith i just don't have the courage i just i can't read scripture i don't know how i you know i can't lead a small group right i can't read scripture with somebody else who's never read scripture guys we've got the power to do that in us Hmm. so it's good yeah and it's for all of us right so that's so good for yeah it's for so, all of us so so just some encouragements to help us to pray and process and enter into this you know i want to encourage us all to be prayerful and consider the following questions and then not just to consider them prayerfully please please take some time to pray and maybe journal or whatever but also bring this into your discussions with your house churches and others first off pray for god to move um uh to move in you, growing your experience and expectations of the Holy Spirit working and moving in and through you. I mean, as Will said, like, do we expect this every day? Um, I pray that we would see God's working of miracles. Like anything that is not natural, that is supernatural, that God works is a miracle. Um, so secondly, I want to ask you to pray and think on who can you speak life into as a as a as a shepherd and give opportunity to grow in their participating in and caring for the household of God and the mission of Jesus. And then consider where do you need to step up or step in instead of letting others be responsible for things that you really are ready for and should be responsible for. And then how do we eliminate guilt-driven obligation while enjoying and growing uh, from healthy accountability? Again, if it's motivated by love, it's a gift and it's rooted in truth. And that's our desire. So, so let's pray for those things. Uh, next week is where we really get into us um, about like, if this is all of our foundations, how is this resulting in what we are pursuing and living in as the church? So I hope to see you and, and discuss that next week. So with all that, Will, would you close us in prayer? Yeah. Um, God, we, uh, we love you. You are the creator god you created this this earth you created this universe you created us and you created us you you created us and saw that everything was perfect but because of our sin and because of the fall um we went we went our own way and we're 
we're sorry and we confess that you made a way through your grace through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection on the cross. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the new life found in Jesus. We thank you for the gospel. Um, God, we, we, pray for, um, we pray for the church. We pray for our local congregation. Um, and we just ask that you would, uh, you would stir in us, um, you would stir in us the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would live in expectation of miracles, that we would live in expectation of people coming to know who you are and having a relationship with you and surrendering their life to you, that you, that we would, um, live out, uh, the gospel, that we, that you would transform us into the, into what, um, what acts tells us what the church should look like and so yeah we uh we love you um we thank you for for this time and this teaching and we um we pray all these things in jesus name by the power of the holy spirit amen amen well, guys, we're glad to, that you've been with us. Um, we can't wait to see you whenever that gets to be. Uh, don't forget, we are better together for the glory of God. Will, thanks for thanks for sharing today. Really appreciate uh, what the Lord's doing in you and being impacted by it. Hey, thanks. Have a, thanks for having me. All right. <laughs> see you guys. See ya.